Welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we're very pleased to be with Matthew Hoffman, LifeSite's own Latin American correspondent uh, who lives in Mexico. It's going to be a super show where we're going to discuss the Amazon Synod, what's coming up, what LifeSite has found out, some of the most important documentation and information you're going to hear about. Stay tuned. Let's start, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, Matthew, to the show. I'm so pleased to have you on and very excited to discuss this Amazon Synod, which is opening up very shortly. Thank you, John Henry. So let's get right into it. The Amazon Synod has been talked about now for almost a year. We've been planning, working up. There've been a lot of alarm about it, rightful alarm from even cardinals who have called it apostasy, heresy. First of all, tell us what you've seen and what you think about what's going on right now. Well, in general, it, I think that these critiques are correct, that the, the whole direction of the Synod is uh, a direction of we could say apostasy uh, and definitely heresies. There are various heresies that are being promoted by the theologians that are in charge of this synod, as it were, in charge of the, 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 the documents, the preparatory documents, the, the working document. They, they're definitely promoting heretical ideas. But that word apostasy is very powerful because apostasy is more than heresy. It's more than schism. It is it's the wholesale abandonment of the Christian religion. And why would these kinds of words be used in this case? It's not because these documents are uh, expressly say, saying, let's abandon the Catholic religion, let's abandon Christianity, but they are seeking to displace Christian values and Christian doctrine with a, a sort of eco-socialism, a sort of uh, ecological, radical ecological socialism that is contrary to Christianity, alien to it, and at the same time, is apparently meant to replace the, the spiritual focus of Christianity and, and focus us all on this world, the values and goods of this world, and in a way that is just not consistent with our faith at all. So in that sense, it's like proposing another religion. Okay, so this new synod is in line with the synods we've seen before. 2014, Extraordinary Synod on the Family, then 2015, Synod on the Family, led to the document Amoris Laetitia, which as we know has caused real havoc in the church, uh, led to the dubia, led to uh, cardinals or, or many theologians calling out the Pope for heresy himself. Um, and now comes, uh, you know, this synod, which is even more alarming, seemingly. You mentioned the preparatory documents, the official preparatory document called the Instrumentum Laboris, but then you mentioned other preparatory documents. What are you talking about? There's another one that, that we at LifeSite discovered, and uh, we've, we've published a, a, a bunch of quotes uh, from this document that was prepared by many of the same theologians that worked on the, the Instrumentum Laboris, the preparatory document. And uh, this document is, is also meant, it's meant to be a sort of another preparatory document. It, 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 uh, it was part of a, a process that these theologians went through to prepare for the Senate official uh, process, part of the official process. And this document is probably more explicit than the Instrumentum Laboris regarding what these theologians wish to do. 
uh, with, the, with the Synod. And these theologians have the support of Pope Francis and have support of the Bishops' Conference, the Latin American Bishops' Conference. Uh, in fact, this document, which is called Towards the Amazon Synod, uh, it, it was, it's supported by two groups. One is called Repam, which is an organization that appears to have been created by the, the bishops of Latin America, the, the bishops' conference. Of course, that would have been done very much in coordination with the Holy See. Um, and uh, there's another organization called, uh, I believe it's called Amerindia. That organization also created this document. These theologians from these two organizations have created this document and are promoting it. And in this document, they're, they're, they're even more explicit about an agenda that has to do with denying the uniqueness of the Catholic faith uh, and claiming that, uh, that it, the Catholic faith is not the only true religion, uh, that man is just one species among many, for example, they say. So, so is the Catholic religion just one religion among many. Uh, that, that, is, that is simply a, a terrible, terrible heresy. Uh, there's uh, also an attack on the hierarchical priesthood, uh, an attempt to justify the, the creation of, of priestesses or women priests or of the equivalent. And so they're much more explicit in this document. And we've, we published uh, many excerpts from this document on LifeSite in, in uh, the last few weeks, uh, exposing it. We don't know if anywhere else it's been published so far. Right. Well, I think that's really key. And the work you and uh, Dr. Micah Hickson did on, on this, uh, first of all, making this discovery and, and putting it out there is so crucial. This document lays out, and by the way, as you said, a Vatican-recognized document, a sort of officially part still of the lead-up to the Synod, not the working document itself, the Instrumentum Laboris, but another one, but it actually gives... And, and here's what's key. It gives the modus operandi, it in fact gives the arguments they're going to use to push these heretical ideas on the Synod Fathers. They've actually exposed their own arguments before the Synod, and yet only LifeSite has this, and it really needs to get spread further. I, I agree completely. It, it's certainly, it's additional information that's certainly helpful, I think, in understanding what's going on here. And uh, as you mentioned, it, it includes arguments that I, I don't think that we would find in the, in the, in the uh, Instrumentum Laboris. For example, uh, they actually go so far as to claim that, well, they advance this sort of theory. Probably other theologians have advanced it in the past for, in favor of this agenda. But they, they have this theory that the New Testament itself sort of went off the track with regard to Christian doctrine. It's amazing, but it's an attack on the New Testament, claiming that originally priests were meant to be only what they would call elders, which is ridiculous because priest is really derived from the word presbyteros, which means elder in Greek. Uh, I don't think that they realize the irony of this. They, they don't know, they don't understand what the terms they're using. But in any case, that, that this concept of a hierarchical priesthood was imposed later on in the New, as the New Testament was written. It was imposed later as a sort of a response to certain issues that existed at that time, but it created a distortion. And there's not supposed to be a hierarchical priesthood. The priesthood is not a hierarchy at all. It's not even a priesthood, they say. It's just elders who kind of vaguely uh, sort of give advice to the, to, to, the, to the church, that sort of thing. And, and in the process, they say women were excluded. So they have this ridiculous false history that denies that God has inspired the scripture. I mean, really, they're criticizing God for having written these things into the scripture because God is the author of the scripture. At least that's what we Catholics believe. So that's just an example of, of the kind of uh, material that's in here.
It's truly amazing to try and argue that Jesus was so circumscribed by the times that he lived in that he couldn't have chosen women apostles. Uh, he couldn't have chosen his mother, for crying out loud, the, the very woman, the woman, uh, who should have been given, if anybody, if any woman was ever to be granted priesthood or anything like that, it would have been Our Lady. Uh, and yet, because Jesus was so hemmed in by the times that he lived in, he just couldn't get there. I mean, absolute nonsense. This is the same Jesus who came and told the Jews that they should eat his flesh and drink his blood when they had strictures against drinking even animal blood, let alone human blood. Uh, the same Jesus who told the Jews uh, that they should be worshiping a triune God, that God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to scandalize them. And yet we think he couldn't have done uh, women priests if he wanted to. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. Yes, it, it, it makes no sense. I mean, the Christians were so countercultural that they were constantly being killed by the Roman state, persecuted, and they were willing to die uh, terrible deaths in order to protect their faith. They, were, they, they refused to, for example, go and, and participate in the gladiatorial games. Usually they wouldn't participate in the army, not because they thought that the armed forces was wrong, was wrong to have armed forces, but because of the abuses committed by the armed forces. So they were constantly resisting the society. Why would they conform cravenly to social standards regarding um, women? Um, it's, it's nonsense, it's ridiculous. Right. Now, why the Amazon? So here, uh, what you've written already is that, that, that the Amazon is sort of being abused in all of this situation. Um, they're calling it an Amazon Synod. Why are they calling it an Amazon Synod? And why do you consider it an abuse? Uh, well, it's, it's being called the Amazon Synod because it is supposedly there to address the particular problems of the Amazon region. Now, we know, in fact, that it's not addressing the real problems of the Amazon region. A, a, a bishop recently, and we publicized this on my site, we, we did an article on it, recently, a bishop from the Amazon re region recently declared that there are all these problems that exist that are real problems in the Amazon that aren't even being addressed by this thing. Uh, for example, only 9% of the Amazon is indigenous, yet almost the whole of these preparatory documents uh, is about the indigenous, as if this region is filled with indigenous. In fact, it's mostly uh, 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 Latin American, non-indigenous Latin Americans of various kinds. Um, and there's other things they're ignoring. For example, that there's Catholicism is almost dead in the region, apparently. And now it's Pentecostalism, Protestant Pentecostalism, that's very big. Um, these documents don't even rec uh, recognize these problems. And the reason is that this is it's not really an, an attempt to address the problems, the real problems of the Amazon region. It's there to take the Amazon region as sort of an exceptional region and then use that to experiment uh, or to justify experimenting with, uh, for example, uh, a, a married priesthood. Um, that's something that, that uh, subversives in the church have been trying to, I'm sorry to have to put it that way, but I don't think there's any other way to put it, have been trying to promote for decades uh, in the church and they're, they're using it for, for that sort of thing. Uh, and, and so it will create a, a, a precedent such that the exception then can be, become the rule throughout the rest of the church. That seems to be clearly the agenda here. I mean, they're not even holding this meeting in the Amazon region. It's being held in Rome to talk about a region and, and, and talk about it in a way that doesn't really even address its, its actual problems. And, and that's, yeah, I think that's actually very, very interesting because 
as you're saying, the, the, the faith is dying out in this region, which has already employed so many of these uh, uh, false theories or, or ways of taking the faith. This is liberation theology, and they've been using it there and promoting it there, and it's led to this drop-off in the faith, and it seems like they want to foist that same drop-off in true Catholicism on the rest of the world. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up, because it's a really important point that, first of all, these theologians are not, we're not just saying that, oh, this is really their agenda, they're liberation theologians. Um, No, they say they're liberation theologians. For example, this preparatory document uh, towards the Amazon Synod uh, that we publicize, um, that document, the the, the authors of it expressly state that they are liberation theologians, that this is liberation theology. Now, liberation theology has become a a very big thing in, in the church, particularly in Brazil, in Latin America in general, but particularly in Brazil, where most of the Amazon region is found. And in Brazil, the number of Catholics has been plummeting for decades. Uh, I believe only 60% uh, or less now of of Brazilians say that they're Catholic. It was well over 90% just a a couple of decades ago. And and that's because as as the the Catholic uh, clergy has focused more and more on political issues, uh, converting Christianity into an ideology or Catholicism into an ideology in the minds of people, and not addressing their real problems, problems with drug addiction, problems in their families, for example, for family divisions. Well, the Protestants come in, the evangelical Protestants come in of various kinds, Pentecostals and other kinds, addressing these issues uh, and and talking about them and talking about people's spiritual struggles, not in a way that we as Catholics would totally agree, but they're addressing them. And so incredible numbers of people are leaving. And that's what's happened in the Amazon region. The, The majority aren't Catholic anymore. They're going over to these Pentecostal sects. And, and that is not even being addressed in these documents, because, again, this is not about the Amazon region. Right. In fact, it's, it's an abuse of the people, the faithful in the Amazon to foist a program on the rest of the world, on the rest of the church, which has been destructive to the faithful in the Amazon region itself. Um, and it, it's just, it's a horrible thing to excuse this what their agenda is and 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 sort of blame it on the you know the amazon region oh look they don't have enough priests oh look women are so uh uh in in such positions of power there that you need to have women priests represented so that uh you can do this and of course they're not going to make it women priests per se they're going to try for women deacons as a as a sort of stepping stone toward uh, women priests well, yeah, they're doing two things, at least in this document that we're talking, this particular supporting document we're talking about. One is that, as you say, they want women, they want women to be deacons. Well, uh, but it, it, in what sense? There, there, there were in the, in the first millennium deaconesses in the church, what were called deaconesses. But they were not, it was not a sacramental grade of order. It was a support role in the church. It was a wonderful support role that women provided at different times in different particular circumstances, probably to baptize people uh, in certain cases where there was full immersion. And so the, a woman being baptized would be fully naked. So perhaps the deaconess would, would be the one to do that, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so that's what a deaconess was, but it was not a sacramental grade of order. So first of all, they want women deacons, but what they, what they make clear is that they want these women to be recognized as sacramentally deacons, 
So, and of course, if that's the case, why couldn't they become priests? As soon as you concede that, you would be conceding that they could become priests. But the second thing that they do in the document is to try to attack the whole idea of a hierarchical priesthood, which they say incorporates this notion of an all-male priesthood. And so uh, in attacking that, they're trying to destroy the foundation for excluding women from the priesthood, which is something that's of the divine constitution of the church, as Pope John Paul II pointed out. This is not something that the church can change. This is not something that any law can change. Any, the Supreme Pontiff can't do it. It's in the divine constitution of the church, that the church is patriarchal. And uh, they are attacking the church's patriarchal structure uh, by attacking even the notion of a hierarchical priesthood altogether. So yeah, those are the two ways they're coming at this uh, female priesthood. Right. And amazingly, there, there's a huge push for an ecological push, almost making the, the faith into a pursuance of some kind of ecological uh, 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 kind of a, a faith, if you will, um, is being pushed big time. It was already pushed by Pope Francis in Laudato Si, um, m much of which actually was good, but there was this also crazed element with the, you know, the, the lead up, if you will, with Greta Thornburg and the whole wide world. They just did a survey uh, just the other day where they found that over 50% of young people in America believe the world's going to end in a decade uh, because because of the environmental disaster that we're living in, which I mean is is such hogwash, but yet people are believing this, and that kind of emergency sentiment is also being foisted into the Amazon Synod and right into the heart of the church. Absolutely, it, there's this uh, kind of sense of panic that they're trying to generate. Which, by the way, I, I used to be a public public policy analyst in Washington D.C. Uh, many years ago. <laughs> in the, uh, the early 90s. And the same, the same attempts to, to, cre to create panic over possible global warming was going on at the time. So this, this has gone on for decades. The predictions have been, have been false repeatedly. They're trying to scare children, and then they're alarmed at how frightened these children are. Uh, and uh, and it, it, it's, as you say, it's, it's, very, uh, it's very questionable uh, application of natural science. But there's another issue that's going on that's involved with this, and that is that this sort of ecological theology, this eco-theology that they're pushing, is actually contrary to our faith because they are treating, in these, in these documents, they, they're treating man as if he is a component of nature. He's merely a cog in the machine of nature. So um, man is is sort of exist in a certain way to serve nature and the greater entity of which we are a part is more important than us, more important than we are. But in reality, the Christian faith teaches us in Genesis that God made the physical world for man, for his use. Be, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. That's the language that's used in the scripture, to subdue the earth. Now, that's not an abusive kind of uh, subduing. It's, we're, not, we're not to go out and, and harm it, obviously. And, and of course, it has its own principles that we have to respect so that we don't do harm to it. But, but we are not at the service of nature. It is at the service of us. So this is a full frontal attack on our faith. It, in effect, would constitute another religion if we were to accept this. And in fact, that seems to be what these people are. It certainly is what they're pushing in the preparatory document that we're talking about that that is uh, that was made as part of this process that these theologians that are so involved in this synod are, are pushing. Absolutely. 
It is, and it fits in exactly with what we've seen the Vatican doing. The Vatican has seemed to uh, accepted hook, line, and sinker everything that the Church fought, especially under John Paul II. John Paul II, at the United Nations, invited pro-lifers in to fight for the cause of life and family against the population controllers. And yet, since Pope Francis's pontificate, all the population controllers, including Paul Ehrlich, the father of it himself, have come to speak at the Vatican over and over and over again, such that even the bishop who heads it up, Bishop Sarando, has hook, line, and sinker proclaimed in one of those meetings that, you know, uh, uh, it's part of, he said, Catholic teaching, that uh, we should have education for women so that women have one or two children and not seven. He sort of like imbibing the whole population control agenda that they've connected to the ecological agenda right into the heart of the church, falsely making it a false religion. That definitely so. And, and, and it's really important that you bring this up, that, uh, that this is very much connected. That once we, want it, we can see the relationship. Once we start to say that, the, that man is a component of nature, he really exists to serve it. He's one species among many. The greater entity really is, is nature. It's almost like a sort of a pantheism, right? Materialists tend towards a pantheistic worldview in which man is made simply into a component of the, of the greater whole, and this greater whole functions like a deity. So what does this mean? Well, if the greater whole is being threatened by one of the parts, you, you excise the parts. And so what do you do? Well, you eliminate human beings. Human beings are seen as sort of just a dispensable component. Uh, they're not the whole purpose of the thing. They are just a component of it. So we're talking about contraception, uh, uh, population control in general, uh, and specifically also, of course, abortion. The logic of abortion is involved in all of this. So the anti-family agenda is obviously the, uh, implicit here, if it's not always explicit. And it's very dangerous in that respect as well. Absolutely. And this agenda has been at work in the world for a long time, but it's now in the heart of the church. That's the scary part. I mean, we've seen, you know, for decades and decades already, this, this you know, environmental disasters coming. Like every huge epic film from Hollywood is about the end of the world caused by ecological disaster because we're not paying attention to the greenhouse gases and so on and so forth. And the world's going to end. There's going to be huge tsunamis and everything like that forever. But now... This same kind of alarmism, Chicken Little, is, is being brought into the heart of the church. And that's what's so alarming. I think mean, Chicken Little is actually a really good example when we look at Greta Thornburg and what's going on here. Uh, the, the Chicken Little story about bringing, you know, the littlest or, or, or the weakest of the chickens up to, you know, call alarm, alarm, oh, look what's going on. And the, the wolf is looking to eat all the chickens that are going out of the safety. Um, it's where we're actually leading not only the whole of society, which has been going on through the films and such, but now the church too, being led out of the safety of the arms of Christ, the truth of Christ, into what is really a false religion. Definitely so. And, and uh, it, it functions in two ways. One, of course, it just displaces the truth uh, about our relationship with nature with a, a, an erroneous understanding. But it also, it also turns people's attention away from the, the much deeper concerns of, of human existence. Of course, we should be concerned about caring for, the, for our environment, we, uh, caring for the, for the physical world uh, that God gave us. Absolutely, everybody agrees with that though. Uh, but 
But what they want us to do is to be so focused on that that we forget about these other issues. At least that's been the agenda of, of liberation theologians and other ideologically motivated groups uh, typically associated with leftism in the, in, in, in the church. They have sought to, to take our attention away from issues of, of sexual morality, the family, life, and uh, focus us on secondary issues. I mean, without life, we don't, we don't have the right to life without the, without the respect for every individual human life because every, every human being is a, we're not a cell in an organism merely. We have a, a unique, uh, immortal soul that God created for eternity with him. They, they want to take us away from that spiritual struggle, that struggle to overcome sin and to be saved, right? If the sanctification, holiness, and focus us on the practical problems of the physical world. And that, uh, that, that dovetails very well with a socialistic agenda, sort of neo-Marxist socialist agenda that's represented by much of this liberation theology and this sort of eco-theology, as they call it, that also is collectivist, making man a component of something else, of nature. It, it all fits into that, and it's very despiritualizing. Right. Now, what about Pope Francis? The, the Pope is supposed to be the guarantor, the defender of the faith. What have you seen in, in your research about Pope Francis and his involvement in this agenda, in this Amazon uh, Synod agenda, and the agenda of the, the liberation theologians that have, uh, that have uh, foisted this? Well, I didn't do, I didn't, for this particular document um, and coverage of it, I did not look uh, much into Pope Francis's own uh, role. I think it's clear, though, that he's favoring all of this. He knows what's happening. Uh, and from his statements in general that he's made repeatedly in public about these kinds of issues uh, with Laudato Si and with, uh, with his statements uh, favoring uh, liberation theologians uh, specifically, uh, he once even ex accepted a uh, a hammer sickle crucifix from Evo Morales um, uh, didn't seem to think there was any, anything problematical about that. Um, when we look at his general record, I, I don't think that there's any question that Pope Francis is the main impetus behind all of this. Obviously, he called for the Senate. He knows who's, who's participating. And it's, it's sad to have to say this, but, but Pope Francis is, is, is himself promoting this. And I think he, he understands how grave it is, and, and he's heard the, the words of so many cardinals now, Cardinal Brandmuller, Cardinal Sarah, uh, Cardinal uh, Burke, um, uh, and, and others. Uh, he's, he's heard so many people raising their voices um, uh, on, this, on this point and talking about how dire this is, that he's quite aware that, that this issue, uh, it, 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 it raises the possibility even of schism, and he's actually starting to speak about that. So he knows how dire the situation is, um, and, uh, and he's continuing forth, uh, forward with it. He's going forward with it. So it's, it's a very, very grave problem that sadly is coming from the top, something that you and I don't like to have to say. We don't wish to have to say this, but it, it is coming from, from the Supreme Pontiff uh, himself at this point. Does that mean that this is something willed by God? God, as, as the First Vatican Council says, truth does not contradict truth. The church cannot contradict itself in its dogmas, and the pope cannot create a new religion. That is simply not within his purview. It's not within his power. And so we, we know what our faith is, and we know when we have to say simply uh, to this sort of thing, no, know your holiness, but we cannot do this. 
Right. And what is the, I mean, your, you, this hasn't led you at all to question your faith. We would die for this faith, stick with it through thick and thin. And this might even be the, the, the worst, at least in terms of the spiritual realities of what's going on right now, uh, might even be the worst thing that churches have experienced. But it should in no way uh, lead anyone to leave the one true faith. Absolutely not. We've, we've always known that popes are capable of erring. Uh, there, was, there, was pope, uh, there was Pope Honorius who was actually condemned, ex- expressly condemned, uh, for favoring heresy by three ecumenical councils. This, the church has always understood that this sort of thing can, can, can happen, uh, that, that popes can err, but it's never been this bad. It's never happened, uh, this, this, it's never been such an intense problem as it has been in this papacy. This, this really is unprecedented. But we should have confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a wonderful opportunity, John Henry. I really think that we need to emphasize this. It's a wonderful opportunity for people to become aware of their personal responsibility to know the faith and not simply to, 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 to listen to, to whatever the clergy happens to be saying today as if the Catholic Church could, uh, the Catholic faith could change from one moment to the next. They need to know what their faith is. And we need to get away from what really is a clericalism. And on that, on that point, Pope Francis actually happens to be right. I don't think he's speaking of clericalism in the same way, but there really is a clericalism, or there has been in the church, in which people think that the clergy uh, s- simply can be trusted uh, to say the truth no matter what in every circumstance. We don't have to know our faith. We, uh, we, we simply listen to whatever they happen to be saying today. That's not a real Christian faith. That's not a true faith. Uh, we need to know what the church has historically taught, and that way we can interpret what our clergy are, uh, is, is saying to us. But uh, so there's all sorts of good and healthy things that can come out of this. God will use this for a greater good, and no one should despair of their faith. Christ made his promises. The rock will not break. It will be here until the end of time. The church will, it will, will remain, and uh, it will remain uh, ultimately inviolate. And so uh, we could have that confidence and use this as an opportunity to learn our faith better so that we can, we can resist error. Amen. Amen. Well, Matthew Hoffman from LifeSite News, our Latin American correspondent, thank you for being with us today on the John Henry Weston Show. And may God bless you all.